Welcome to the Do Better podcast with your coach and host, me, Stevie Potter, helping you to go from feeling like a smashed packet of custard creams to being a superhuman. To find out where you are right now on the spectrum, go to our show notes and visit the Superhuman Scorecard and start changing your life today. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode two of series three of the Do Better podcast. So I hope a few of you out there listened to the last episode of this series. If you haven't, then go back and listen to that. So it's the first episode in a new series. And the reason I've kind of had a hiatus, come back, started a new series is just because I feel like there's a a new mission on the cards for me as a performance coach, as a nutrition coach, and for the unique perspective I have. And you know, my mission has always been to kind of adapt and change and try and solve the problems that I'm faced with day to day. And so if you go back and listen to episode one, you can find out a little bit more about where my current mission has come from and how I'm going to help you with that. Um, But in the meantime, how has your week been? I have been here, there and everywhere. Um, I've been out and about on some career excursions and non-professional excursions and continuing the uh, enjoyment and excitement that has come with some new and challenging uh, pastimes and pursuits. So last winter I tried out cyclocross and I tried out track cycling, uh, both of which really tickled my pickle and I was very excited by. And I may have accidentally just clicked by on a track bike. So <laughs> well done me. Um, N plus one rule applies more than I think in this house. Having bought a gravel bike last uh, winter to enjoy in the depths of winter on these country roads, um, which has also coincidentally facilitated my... Uh, terrible terrible cyclocross career which I enjoy very much but I'm absolutely pants at Um, and you know I'll be doing exactly the same in the velodrome uh, very soon as well so um, it seems like a no-brainer because actually for anybody looking to follow the n plus one rule religiously um, like I am track cycling is a really good place to go for that because it turns out that the uh, bikes you can pick up pretty cheap um, to get started out so you can go and try the track. You don't even have to buy a bike. You can just hire one for a few sessions, uh, which is totally the best thing to do because you don't actually have to be like, oh yeah, I'm getting into this. And then um, and then if you decide you really like it, it's, you know, it's just not that expensive to go and dip your toe in having your own bike. So I'm looking forward to that arriving. Um, need some wheels though. So currently quite useless, but anyway. Um, and next week, So Saturday the 7th of October, big event for me because I've only done one triathlon this year. And again, if you go back and listen to episode one, kind of delve into, you know, what I've been dealing with this year in terms of some of the mindset struggles of not being able to race and train. Um, Basically, I've been working on my biomechanics. We picked up some problems at the end of last year. And, you know, coach kind of said, well, maybe it would be worth getting somebody to to kind of give you a full MOT and and see what's really going on here because I've had a few shunts around in my uh, lumbar spine and problems with my hip and things like that and just little niggles that, you know, I kind of deep down knew were going to turn into big problems and uh, that was confirmed by kind of doing the work and realising that things just needed to be shunted back and when we tried to do that... um, yeah, there was a lot of kind of consequences to deal with. So it's been about 
yeah, honestly, it's probably been about a year in the making, nearly, um, to get to where I am now, which is actually, I feel like I'm getting back to, to being the athlete that I was before, um, potentially better in terms of the mindset struggles again kind of gone through a, through the mill with those this year but I think mentally in a much better place as an amateur athlete now and dealing with things a lot better and kind of using sport as a really happy place to be rather than a kind of coping mechanism um but yeah and so I've got Saturday the 7th of October I decided well why don't I just do a triathlon to um kind of say a, a bit of a bit of a fuck you to the rest of the world like Pah, I can do this I, I'm I might finish last um I'm not you know it's not going to be a podium style race it's going to be a get through it race and see what you're made of kind of race um I think I've done about 50% of the training that I would have liked to have done but hey we've not had an ideal year so this is why we are where we are and then there was like falling off my bike and blah 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 so yeah we've had a few setbacks but I'm off to do the rock try in Scotland so Rock, R-O-C, not sure how we're saying it, but they do a triathlon up each of the three peaks throughout the year. So there's one up, I think there's actually two up Snowdon. They do one in May and one in September, I believe. Um, And then they do one up uh, Ben Nevis in October and then one up Scarfell Pike, I think in September. So they kind of do the England, Wales, Scotland, highest mountain ones. And rather than being a swim, bike, run format, it's swim, bike, run, bike, run. So swim and then in Scotland it's a gravel bike 26k to the foot of Ben Nevis from Kinloch Leven where the swim is and then it's a I'm gonna say it's a walk run like I'm not the person that's gonna be running this I'm not gonna be at the front of the race I think some people will probably run a lot more um but for me it's gonna be a bit of a hike um to get to the top so you go from sort of Glen Nevis up to the the summit of Ben Nevis then come back down so that's 16 kilometers in total then another 26 kilometers on the gravel bike back the way that you came so it's an out and back triathlon and then a kilometer run to the finish and so all of the triathlons run in that kind of format which is quite nice it's quite refreshing it's quite different you know you almost get kind of like a backwards duathlon feel to it so it's been quite fun kind of experimenting with things and and doing different different training styles to to try and prepare for that I, I mean I wouldn't say I'm prepared for it but um yeah we'll see how we go and I hope I like it because next year I've I've entered to do all three of the peaks so you know ambitions and all that but um yeah so that's where we are at the moment enough about the current goings on after last week's episode the reason I kind of introduced you to some of the mindset struggles I'd had as an athlete um again as I said in the episode was because there were conversations that you know, I wasn't just having with all of the voices in my head, but I was actually having with clients and contacts and acquaintances. And, you know, when you're in this sport for a long time, you meet a lot of people, you meet a lot of athletes. And so you make a lot of social connections within the sport, which is really nice um, just to have lots of different friends. And I, I learn more and more as I get older that I'm more of a social butterfly than I think I am. And I love to be in the company of other people. Um, and then I love to come home and sit in silence, but <laughs> I need a good recharge period. But I absolutely love to be in the presence of other optimistic, enthusiastic individuals. And there are plenty of those within the sport. There's also plenty of people who are not like that. And there's a lot of people who have lost that little bit of sparkle as well. And so those are a lot of the conversations that I've been having this year is I've never really dealt with any adversity in my sport. Um, I've had the odd injury, but I've always dealt with it very well. I've always been quite black and white. Okay, injured, take time off, heal, come back to it. And this year has been very different because it's been a really long 
kind of rehab process that hasn't come from a massive injury, you know, which had a straightforward, these are the milestones that you need to hit. It's very much been experimentation. And I started to think about it. And one of the reasons that I started to put more of an emphasis on the intuitive eating styles and strategies that I teach is because I saw the parallels there. The nutrition and the performance coaching that I do is all about the individual human experiment. It's about looking at yourself and thinking what works for me and what are the struggles here. And the thing is that there are a lot of similar mindset strategies in terms of what we all need to think about to achieve our goals and to gain fulfillment and to avoid overwhelm. And we do have to explore and we do have to experiment and we have to work out what works for us. And that can be quite a hard process to get through. And having the right coach to help you do that. So I've had coaches in business, in triathlon, in strength coaching specifically, and obviously I've worked with physios and sports therapists and all sorts of people. And the best people in those fields are the ones that guide you towards the right questions, not the answers, because they recognize that there is no one size fits all. And that's a very cliche thing to say, but you know, there's a lot of people who say, oh, well, these are the rules and this is what you need to do. And that's fine, but it makes it very rigid and it feeds into this black and white thinking. And what I love about intuitive eating is it's not just about eating for a start. It's about a lifestyle and a mindset concept. And that's why I promote it so heavily, particularly within the athletic community at the moment. Um, But it's also not about black and white thinking. It's about not giving yourself a pass and fail every single day. And so I wanted to just kind of introduce you to the the concept of it today, why it's such an important strategy for me. Um, I'm going to be running a group course on this specifically for athletes. It's actually starting very soon. So it's on Monday, the 16th of October. And we'll just be having weekly kind of group meetings um, to introduce some of the concepts and experiment with those when it comes to intuitive eating in a sports nutrition field. Because one of the things that quite often comes up is that people say intuitive eating isn't right for athletes and athletes have to follow kind of rigid rules and it's different. And it is to a certain extent. And there are things that you have to bear in mind that are different for you as an athlete compared to, you know, gen pop. But um, the strategies there, I would say, in the intuitive eating principles as a whole are probably more important for athletes than they are for gen pop. And here's a few reasons why. Intuitive eating, like I say, is not just about eating. So it was originally a concept that was brought about um, almost as like as a research topic to try and help people to come to terms with their body image. And it wasn't a diet culture. It was kind of moving away from diet culture and seeing if this made people healthy and actually seeing if naturally this helped people who were overweight and in categories of BMI that would be harmful to their health, whether it would actually help them to improve their their mood, their fulfillment, but also their health markers. And remarkably, the people who embraced it, you know, this is a system where we're not counting calories, we're not counting macros, there's no numbers involved. It's all about just acknowledging yourself. Um, the people who did that and shied away from this kind of if it fits your macros and tracking everything and things like that, actually found that they were more likely to lose weight for good for longer term and they were less likely to have anxiety and overwhelm over food and they were more likely to have good relationships with food and their body image and that's really important and again in the last episode I talked about 
body image and athletes with a messed up relationship with their own mindset body image self-worth all that kind of thing which i think is all tied into this and when you look between the lines in intuitive eating when you really read into it it's not just about improving your relationship with food it's about improving your relationship with yourself and our society puts so much emphasis on how we look and what we eat and how we fit into you know society's expectation of ourselves and and of course we do we're social creatures there are hierarchies there are you know there's a reason that we want to conform that we have a deep urge to do that and this doesn't say you need to fight that urge it just says you need to acknowledge yourself and you need to kind of manipulate your own thinking away from i must conform to things that are unhealthy for me so it's about fighting strict rules and diet culture and all of those food related things but it's also about making peace with the way that you look and it's about enjoying exercise movement it's about enjoying the other things in life and that's something that we all could do a little bit more of the thing with athletes is again as i mentioned in the last episode is that we can become very fixated and we kind of go down this rabbit hole of triathlon becoming our entire life and there is a line between passion and obsession and when it becomes an obsession it becomes very detrimental and yes if you're a professional probably being obsessed by it is a good thing doesn't necessarily make it healthy but it probably makes you get the results that you want that you need because you need to make a profit but when you're an amateur when you're an age grouper and you're you know you're not supporting your life on racing it's really important to remember that And the reason that intuitive eating strategies help people with that is because not only do we look at sports nutrition to actually fuel performance and help you to feel better generally in your day-to-day life and have more energy and less anxiety. And literally, we do that through food. We do that through looking at what you're eating and drinking and how you can balance that out to improve things, to improve your energy levels and reduce your anxiety because there are ways that you can manipulate that with food. Um. But we also look at, you know what, how do we do all of this, juggle a busy lifestyle and just find the fulfillment that we're looking for rather than putting pressure on ourselves, rather than just looking at things in a binary way. And that's one of the the biggest things is this is not about intuitive eating, to be honest. It's about intuition in general and it's about knowing yourself and it's about following your own nose, getting to know yourself. And that's why I'm teaching the way that I teach so when you're considering that as an athlete yes you're considering strategies to help you perform well putting your nutrition first but it's a very different picture to what you would perhaps think of when you think of sports nutrition you know it's not getting x grams of carbs that's something we need to bear in mind but it's all about observation in terms of how did you feel how did you feel afterwards how did you feel before what did you eat before what did you eat during what did you eat afterwards it's much more of a fluid experimentation process and the thing is that even when you have a real strict guide of you must have x amount of carbs blah blah blah, blah during your session you still got to experiment with what works for you so this is no slower route and in fact it's a quicker route to finding out what works for you longer term because there's much more stickability with a routine in an experiment that you have developed yourself where you've been able to follow your nose, follow your likes, follow your dislikes, you know, follow your hunger, follow your fullness. Look at your own emotional behaviours and be more in touch with that than there is from somebody saying, well, you didn't eat enough carbohydrate and you could have done better and actually taking away the ownership of your decisions. But it's also, like I say, there is a big part of this which is about just embracing movement and enjoying the love of sport again. 
And that's why I've kind of come back into it is because I think there's a lot of guff and there's a lot of bullshit out there about nutrition, about weight loss, about body composition, about really hitting the numbers in sport, taking it seriously. And what we need more of is we need more people saying, no, sport should be about fun. It should be about passion, but not obsession. It shouldn't be about eating disorders. It shouldn't be about creating anxiety and overwhelm. It should be about releasing those things. It should be a therapeutic outlet for a lot of people. And that's often how it starts. But because there is a lot of bullshit and people who are just kind of, you know, out to be the the big I am because of social media and, you know, perhaps feeling a little bit inadequate elsewhere it turns into a pressure that a lot of us feel. And so what I want to do is actually help people perpetuate the message that sport is a therapy. It's really good for us. It helps us to stay in touch with movement. It helps us to, to keep healthy. Um, but it also helps us to get all of the feel-good hormones. It helps. It can help us to have good relationships with the people around us. It can help us to have good relationships with our own body confidence, with our own self-worth. And it can help us to have good relationships with food and exercise. Unless we go down the wrong rabbit hole. And if we go down the rabbit hole of, I'm going to ignore all my body signals, I'm going to ignore all of the experiments that I could be doing, I'm going to ignore all the intuition that I have, and I'm instead going to listen to everything that's said by everybody else, and everything that's written in magazines, and everything I see on Instagram, and everything I see on social media, then it suddenly becomes not fun, and it suddenly gives us a lot of complexes, and those can be really hard to undo. And I have found that firsthand for myself over the last year, but also from the people that I've worked with. So... I work as a performance coach. I help people to basically balance their busy lives and work out how to get the best of themselves in all of the fields that they're involved in. But we also put a lot of emphasis on wellness. So we talk about nutrition and fitness within that. And a lot of those people that come to me are by definition age group athletes because those are very busy people and you're often very ambitious and determined. And so the people that come and see me you know, before I even decided to go down the rabbit hole of just focusing on you age group athletes you guys were naturally coming to me because that was the problem that I am able to solve for you because you're busy and you're ambitious. Like I say, it's by definition. And the thing that comes with that is, okay, well, here's the right thing I need to do. This is what everyone else is doing. So this is what I must do. And then this black and white thinking, I'm a failure. It hasn't worked for me. And like I say, taking this horrible fork in the road down the wrong path and it's taken me a long time to work with some of those people to bring them back on course to remind them why they started in the first place, what they wanted to get out of it and what they can still get out of it. So it doesn't matter where you are in your journey right now. You might be feeling, I'm actually already overwhelmed. I'm having problems with developing a nutrition strategy because I feel like I need to lose weight or there's too much noise around it. I feel overwhelmed by it. You might be in a position where you're just not enjoying sport. You're feeling all the anxiety is an overwhelm with it. Or you might be in a position where you can just see that you don't want it to become that and you want to know how to enjoy it, but still maximize your performance to get enjoyment from the competition. And that's cool. So if you are any of those things, like I say, look out for the um, Reframe program, which is going to be focusing on intuitive eating strategies for athletes starting on Monday, the 16th of October. Um, But yeah, this series is going to be all about some of the strategies that I've been using to work with age group athletes to help you with your performance, to help you with your nutrition, but get away from this binary thinking, um, which like I say, has been a first-hand problem for myself, but it's also a problem that I see across the board not just with my athletic clients, 
but with all of my high performers. And I think that's what we need to focus on. So like I say, go back and listen to the first episode if you haven't already. Um, Hopefully this episode, you've got a little bit of insight into intuitive eating as a concept. Um, I think it's probably been a little bit waffly and tangential today, but I just kind of wanted to explore what intuitive eating strategies mean because I think a lot of people think that it's just about food and it really isn't um you know we can introduce you to to all of the principles in intuitive eating that's that's something I'll do over the course of the series um but yeah it's something that doesn't just work for everyday joe it will work for you if if you're an age group athlete and actually in some ways I think it's even more important in those populations and that's why I want to bring it to you guys is because there's a lot of people out there preaching intuitive eating but not to athletes um And there's a lot of people preaching sports nutrition, but not taking into consideration the wider, more holistic concepts and how that links to nutrition and performance. So hopefully you've kind of got a little flavor of what that's all about. Um, I'm going to be catching up with you again in a couple of weeks time. Um, Obviously, next weekend, I'm going to be racing. So I'm not going to chat to you then. Um, I like to do these podcasts fresh and contemporarily. So I literally record them, get them sent off for editing. Um, straight away and then they kind of come back within 24 hours because I like that it's fresh and I also like to talk to you about the conversations that I'm having day in day out so I like that you guys can email in and I can literally talk about what's come up in the email inbox or in the conversations with clients over that week because that's often the most topical thing so I'm going to keep it like that so I'm not here next week uh, but I will be back the following week Uh, wish me luck for Ben Nevis because I feel like I'm going to need it I am possibly quite possibly going to be last over the line so I thought, well, I need to make sure I uh, buy some new socks. So at least if I'm last over the line, I look cool when I do it. So look out for my minty green uh, unicorn socks, um, which will probably be making an appearance on the uh, on the gram over the next week. And um, I will catch up with you all and, and let you know how it went so that hopefully um, maybe some of you will be inspired to enter next year and come and enjoy it with me because it would be awesome to put some faces to some names um to some regular listens listeners who i know have a sense of adventure like me um but in the meantime enjoy what you're doing um and i will catch up with you again in a couple of weeks thanks for listening to the do better podcast i hope you enjoyed the show you can connect with me and learn more about how you can become a happier healthier and more successful superhuman by contacting me at stevie potter at the following Stevie's Wonder Clinic on Instagram and heading to our website, thewonderclinic.co.uk. And you can get started on your journey today by completing the Superhuman Scorecard via the link in the show notes. I hope to see you all soon.